Welcome to the Arrive and Thrive podcast. We are your hosts, Tyson Day and Daniel Lenardi. Our podcast is designed to give you fresh perspectives and educational insights to make sure you thrive in every moment. Regularly, we are joined by thought leaders, life learners, and generally amazing humans who bring an approach just like us, casual, relaxed, and curious. Listeners, thanks for joining us on this episode where we dive deeper into the origins of Arrive and Thrive. In this episode, we share our own experience of career counselling, what it is like running a business with a mate, and how we came up with our very own name. This episode is designed to give you more understanding of us and important things to consider if you decide to start your own business, especially with a friend. Hope you enjoy. Arrive and Thrive would like to begin by acknowledging the traditional custodians of the land on which we recorded this podcast and pay our respects to their elders, leaders past, present and emerging. Hi, welcome to the Arrive and Thrive podcast with Tyson Day and Daniel Lunardi. Today we're joined by the marketing gurus of Arrive and Thrive, Olivia and Sam. Yes, welcome <laughs> girls. How are you? Good, Good thanks. Thanks How for the intro. <laughs> <laughs> I loved your intro. I reckon we're going to scrap our normal one down and just put Olivia <laughs> as the main intro, intro artist. Oh my gosh. There was a little bit of nerves there, but I liked it. <laughs> And so what are, we, what are we talking about today, guys? We're going to interview both of you about Arrive and Thrive, uh, hear a little bit more about the organisation. Yeah, it's going to be the third degree on all things Arrive and Thrive. Third degree. Hopefully our listeners um, can take a few learnings out of this, Dan. What do you reckon? Yeah, I feel like a bit of an egomaniac getting uh, <laughs> interviewing us on their own podcast, but uh, let's give it a go. That's a good point because I think, um, listeners, you should be aware that you know, recently we've been doing a lot of informational interviews on different professionals and, and their own unique stories. And I think Dan and I, on reflection, we were getting a lot of questions around career counselling in general and why we do Arrive and Thrive, how we plan our days and so forth. And we just thought, why not get the two superstars that are really the backbone of this company on the show and to share some of their own insights, our insights around why we do what we do? Yeah, it's a good it's a good point, and I'm so looking forward to getting grilled by you, Sam and Olivia. And I think as well, it's there's if I've seen some of the pre questions, and there's a few FAQs in there that we get all the time asked as a career counsellor. So hopefully, listeners get something out of that as well. Fantastic. Well, we're very grateful to be here. So thank you for having us. So I just wanted to ask, apart from the fact that you know these two words rhyme, what is why did arrive and thrive come up as the name that you wanted? Uh, for your organisation. Dan, do you want to answer this one, mate? I can't remember. I know the process. <laughs> I know the process for the from the marketing and the logo, but I can't remember the exact story for the name. From memory, I was on uh, a tram, and Dan and I were kind of umming and ahhing around what we wanted to call our career ed social enterprise. So we were trying to think of a name that was away from traditional career development because we think it's a little bit white collar. It's a little bit um, traditional, a little bit boring. No offense to the, the people who work in that space. It just wasn't right for us. Um, and so I was obsessed with this notion of, you know, when you start a new job or when you start a new degree or you, um, wherever you go in your life and career, you're almost arriving at a new destination. So you're, arriving to a new country, um, you're arriving to a new workspace, you're arriving to a new year level or pathway or uni or whatever it is. And I thought, you know, how cool would it be to rebrand like career education is this notion of like 
arriving and then and doing well wherever you arrived. So, you know, those transferable skills of communication and, and also like job search and everything that you, you use throughout your life, but what's going to allow you to arrive and essentially thrive. And I was on the tram and I looked at this ad on the tram and they just had like a whole bunch of different like buzzwords at the time on this billboard. And I was just looking at them and I was like, you know, arrive and conquer. I was like, nah, that doesn't work. I was like, arrive and, um, you know, arrive and, you know, survive. And I was like, oh, we don't really want people to survive. We want them to do better than that. And then this buzzword thrive was there. And I texted Dan, I was like, arrive and thrive. What do you reckon? And Dan was like, love it. And then it just kind of stuck ever since. Yeah, that's right. That's right. Because we we're going through, we we're going through names for about a week and we'd text each other like this. And they'd be like, mm, like that, but nah, this. So we were sort of workshopping at Vitex, weren't we? Yeah. And you, you had that final moment where it was arrive and thrive. And I'm like, yeah, love it. Let's go. And then I think we never looked back to, from that point in regards to the name. No. But another interesting point I'll add is our original name when we first started about three years ago was going to be the careers game. Because we kind of wanted to make careers fun again. But I'm kind of glad that didn't stick. Mm, I like Arrive and Thrive. And one of my mates, he's always like, have you listened to the Arrive and Strive podcast? And I'm like, Patty, it's, it's Thrive. And he's like, I prefer it my way. And I'm like, don't you, don't you start some new name, mate, please. I love that answer. It's like the most Melbourne answer ever, just being on a tram and getting inspiration <laughs> from that. Yep. That's from it. the billboard. Can I, sorry, sorry, I know I keep talking a lot. I just wanted to ask one question off that as well. You keep talking about like, you know, a lot of career counselling is very like white collar and it's very stiff. And like, why is it really important for you and Arrive and Thrive to differentiate yourself as like a youth, more like youth and more fun based organisation? And do you want to? You go. Oh, I can feel the fire. <laughs> so I think from my end, um, Olivia, I think the the notion is, we wanted to brand, well, from my own perspective, and I'm sure Dan can share his two cents on this too. It's like, I wanted something to resonate for younger professionals and, and younger people in general. And I think, you know, when you enter the workforce, there's the constant um, element of change. So budgets might be changing, roles might be changing, organizations might be changing. And I think a lot of younger people are now open to personal development, they're open to career education further. Um, because I think sometimes we go through school and career education kind of gets a bit of a bad rap. It's like, you've got to choose a university, choose a TAFE, you know, all these types of things. And that is definitely important in some parts of our lives. But this other notion of, you know, rebranding ourselves, being able to further develop our skill and our knowledge to be able to transition into areas that we really care about. And I think I hadn't seen any organization that really spoke to me on my personal level of how I wanted to kind of work my own career and how I would like to move through um, that element of growth and, and something that I could resonate with. And I was like, well, if I can't resonate with anything, maybe a lot of other people can't either. So I think that was my own inspiration for trying to keep our brand modern, trying to keep it fun, trying to, you know, keep it youthful. Um, what are your thoughts, Danny? Yeah, yeah, I couldn't agree more. And I think the only thing I'll add is I think as well, when Ty and I first started out doing the careers, which probably would have been about five years ago, six years ago, it, the profession shifted a bit too from being like sitting across from a counsellor on a couch one-on-one, having like an hour consultation. It was more counselling career focused, whereas now and the, the way it's all moving with work, online, you know, social media with LinkedIn, 
it's kind of shifted a bit, but I think Ty and I timing wise, were lucky that we were at the start of that journey when it shifted. And I think that's probably a reaction to what Ty was saying of it hadn't existed before, but I think it does exist a little bit more now. And I think we're a part of that. And I think it was a bit of the timing that we kind of, and I think our own um, personalities as well, like Ty and I met doing outdoor ed and we kind of like fun experiences and, um, I guess we wanted to, from an education perspective, even if we weren't doing career education, we'd probably be looking at ways to bring fun and engagement to whatever we're trying to educate on. So I think there was just that correlation there between experiential learning and trying to make things fun and engaging for, for young people. Well said, man. I might jump in here because I've got a question that I've always wanted to ask. Um, and I know that you guys met again after a long while of going to school with each other in the past to start Arrive and Thrive. Um, and I was just wondering, like, what is one of the most unexpected experiences of starting a business? Because I feel like that's quite unusual for most people. You know, a lot of people don't really start, they don't really mix their friendships with um, So how does that, how has that worked out for you guys? Yeah, good question, Sam. I think... And that's something that I've been told a lot. Like people have always like, don't mix friendship and business and, you know, don't do this, don't do that. And I think, you know, for Dan and I, we always said that, you know, our mateship will come first before the business. Um, and it's sometimes easy to throw that line in, but I think it's, it's um, I think what we've demonstrated to one another and, and you jump in, bro, if you disagree. But I think I think we've been able to really demonstrate honesty throughout the whole process of of our journey in business. And you know, especially over the last eighteen months, I would say with COVID and, and everything that's occurred there, we've had to be really honest towards one another. And um, I think you know sometimes it's hard to be super honest with your friends but that's what your your friends are for um you know to give you those honest check-ins in my in my um is is my belief and so i think dan and i were, have been really good at at that in saying hey man like this is what's currently on my mind regarding our business or the, here's what's currently on my mind me for me personally um i may not necessarily be able to put as much time into x or i may um you know i've got time now to be pushing more into this particular project. And I think um, I may have been deviating a bit off the question, Sam, but I think it's just that notion of just being, you know, honest with each other and, and, you know, also honest around what your own personal vision is. Cause I think sometimes when you get into business, you may first have a vision that is aligned together. And as things evolve, those visions may change between the two partners and, and I think it's really important to, to keep that open and transparent because otherwise you may not necessarily be working on the same goal um, for a long time together. Yeah, I couldn't agree more, Ty. Like I reckon the us being on the same vision thing, that was probably one of our biggest hiccups for a bit there, wasn't it? And we sort of, we ended up having a conversation one day, like for an hour and a half and we're like, oh shit, is this what it is? Like you're thinking a bit this and I'm thinking a bit that. And it just wasn't aligning as much as it was previously but I couldn't agree more I reckon um the two best things I've learned about being in business with Ty and you know with a friend is one it's really fulfilling and brings a lot of joy because you're kind of having fun as you're going through the process of doing it all and then the other thing that I really have has been a key takeaway for me is 
it's almost like you're in a romantic relationship and you constantly need to be open, honest, transparent. And I think we've both done that from the start and it just helps us both check in to where each other's at. Um, and then and a couple of times, true Tyler, like we've had to have hard conversations, like mainly I think you with me, but we've had to have a few conversations where, you know, you think it's, you kind of got to put the effort in. It's not like, oh, we're, you know, we're good mates, but we don't have any commitments together that are like a business or financial or whatever. But when you do have the business element, you need to actually be like, okay, I need to speak to Ty about this like as soon as possible. Or Ty will be like, I need to check in with Dan and let him know where I'm at with ABC. And it was just, it's constantly that communication, I guess, isn't it? And keeping the lines open. And so we both know where each other's at. Mm. I think it's that, that just keeping the communication lines open, like you guys know with any friendship, any relationship, like as soon as you stop keeping the other person in the loop, like no one can read minds. So it's that notion of going like, um, and there's been times where Dan's called me. He's like, Hey, you know, um, taco mate, you, you okay? Like I haven't heard from you like in a couple of weeks, like what's going on. Normally you, you're roaring at me by this time. <laughs> and I'm like, Oh mate, like, thank you so much for checking in. Like I, everything else that's been going on is just a blur and you know i haven't been able to focus on a and t for the, the last couple of weeks i'm sorry and and so i think that that element is really really important no matter what professional relationship you have if it's with your boss if it's with you know colleagues if it's you know on a project or contract that you're working on it's just that that transparency is key it just sounds like such good life advice in general <laughs> That's the beauty of, um, in my eyes, career education, because it's so it's so transferable from like life design to to career design, like whatever whatever it is. Like that's the beauty of it. It's like generally when you manage your career well, most of the time, in my eyes, like you, there's other aspects of your life that you're managing well as well. Good question, though. Mm. <laughs> yeah, you heard it first here, guys. It's just. <laughs> A big bromance. <laughs> <laughs> I want to sort of cast your minds back to when you experienced career counselling in high school. Um, I have a funny anecdote. There was this girl in my class um, and we had a list of career, um, career ideas that they had given to us after we did all these sort of aptitude tests. Her first, the first thing that she got, the number one career that she um, was told that she would be really good at would be a jockey, a horse jockey. And she was <laughs> over six, she was over six foot tall. And that to me is just like the funniest thing because that would obviously never happen. Um, so I think, I guess personally, like I've always taken career counselling at high school with a bit of a grain of salt because, um, I mean, that as an example is just kind of ridiculous. But I was wondering what kind of um, career counselling you experienced in high school and university and from those experiences, did it, um, how did it affect you and how you run your own courses? So I've never experienced career counselling until I was at uni halfway through. So I can't really comment on that part of the question. But the part about the um, your six foot friend who was going to be a jockey is, I think, and Angela Dresser in one of our episodes, who was our first careers lecturer, told us this on our podcast. It's when you're doing those aptitude tests, like it's more about the realm that you would be in. So if you were like working with people or you were like working with numbers or even working inside or outside. So it's a, it's a more general thing that you can get that data. It's really problematic if you then try to drill down even further and be 
okay, now you're X or you're Y. Um, but I think, yeah, there's, there's a lot of bad career counselling out there. So it doesn't surprise me to hear that story. I kind of hear a, a few stories like that. Um, but it's a tough job for people in high schools that are doing career counselling because it's one counsellor to like, say, 150 students. Mm. Um, and they've all got a decision to make based on the way the system is. So there's got to be like a certain element of speed that needs to be brought into it. So I think it's a tricky tricky situation. But in regards to counselling from high school, I never had it. Yeah, good points. I think from my perspective, um, Olivia, like similar kind of situation for me. Like I had, a, I did a report when I was in like year 10. Um, I can't remember what it was called, but it was like, it had different career suggestions and I got um, like a personal shopper as my number one career um, suggestion. And then the second one was a priest <laughs> and I'm, I hate shopping and I am definitely not religious. And so I was just kind of like, well, you know, with, with, like, why, why should I trust this test? And I think that's a lot of what young people experience. Like they get so drawn to, um, you know, a result on a, a test. Cause that's essentially what school is these days. Like there's obviously like you get an A, you get a B or you get like a, a result or you get something like a, some sort of data to, to go by of where you're tracking. And I think young people sometimes get very fixated on, on those career suggestions and go, oh, well, this is suggested this, I disagree. So I'm like, I'm just going to go my own way and, and not take into account any career education. And, and that serves some people, but I think other people need a little bit more of a different approach. And I, I agree with Dan. I feel really sorry for career counselors in schools. Like it's a hard gig. There's a lot of students. There's a lot of um, different attention that needs to be given to, to each one of those students. But I think the, the notion of, you know, going into those conversations, using those assessment tools as ways to, you know, start the conversation or ways to have the conversation and use it as a, as a, as a icebreaker, essentially, I think is really important. And my, my experience, like my careers counselor at school was lovely. Um, but I think those assessments just rubbed me up the wrong way. <laughs> and I was like, I want to prove this assessment wrong. Or, um, and, and I think what Dan said too, with the ATAR piece, like, the system is naturally geared for academic students in, in Australia. And that's, that's unfortunate. Um, and so we, I think that's where we see career counseling, career education going forward is this notion of going, well, how can we, you know, deliver better outcomes, but not necessarily, um, you know, mark someone on an academic result, meaning that if they don't get an A triple plus or whatever it is, they, they, they um, can't do medicine or they can't do law or these traditional pathways that require high marks. So again, don't know if I answered your question. <laughs> I kind of went on a bit of a ramble there, but yeah, that, that type of um, change I'd love to see. I would just like to say that that test sounds like a Buzzfeed quiz. Like I never did, I never had career counseling. So I'm like, what is this test and how do I do it? Cause I kind of want to know what I would get. Sam, we can discuss this offline. I'll give you a free careers assessment if you want one. Um, <laughs> because, yeah, it's, uh, yeah, exactly. You'd get legend or you'd get, um, along with Olivia, like marketing guru status. Yeah. I think mine, we did mine in year 10 as well. I think my first one was like art teacher or something like that. 
but they they felt like kind of big and scary some of the questions it's like you know um what would you do in x situation or like you do a bit of a Maya Briggs test and it's like how does this all relate like it doesn't even seem to relate to careers and yeah they can be a bit interesting sometimes the questions they ask totally you, we do have like the 10 percent give back as part of the business model could you just explain that to our audience yeah for sure so our 10% give back is when we do a program, we empower or enable our audience to, to decide on where the 10% donation goes. And so much like grilled, if you've ever gone and had a burger, you get the, the charity chip that you get to choose which charity um, they donate to. We're very similar. So we, we place up three um, charities and they have to come under three different categories. It's uh, humanitarian efforts, um, education for the underprivileged uh, and the environment. So we choose three charities aligned with those three areas. Our audience votes um, through a platform called Slido and then we donate that 10% back into um, that particular charity once um, the program's paid for. And why is it really important for you guys to do that? Um, from my end, I think it's, it's, it's always really important to realise that you know, there's a lot of other people in the world that that perhaps don't have necessarily have the same opportunities that that you do, and I, I think it's really important to give back to those communities um, to allow them to thrive in their own way, whatever whatever that is for that person. So I think um, I see it as as that, but I also see it as as our generation. It's also our job to because we work with a lot of young people to demonstrate. Um, what it means to, to be community minded, what it means to um, be, you know, in touch with some of the challenges that communities face. So I see that as, as a vehicle for us to be able to go, well, you know, this is what we preach. Sorry, this is what we, we talk about, but we also preach this and we also walk the walk through, through donation donating as well. And I think that's the beauty of a social enterprise is that you, you're linking that, that notion of business and purpose um, all in all into one. Yeah, there were some really great insights and yeah, catch us on the next episode. Oh, uh, legends. Thanks, Olivia. <laughs> Thank you so much. It was our pleasure. <laughs> Thanks for listening. If you've enjoyed this episode of the Arrive and Thrive podcast, please let us know by sharing it with a connection and leaving a review. We hope that through this podcast, even more people can design a career and life that they love and are proud of. See you soon.